One of my favorite TV shows was a program, was a show, Mission Impossible. How many of you ever seen Mission Impossible? I know when some of you look out there in the music, that's already going through your, your head right now. Um, the old TV series with Peter Graves and uh, uh, IMF team stood for uh, Impossible Mission Force. And now I think there's a few out with Tom Cruise, uh, just not Peter Graves. Uh, he, he was the best. And out of that old TV series, uh, Mission Impossible, came the iconic saying, uh, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then the recorder, remember how the recorder would lay out that mission that they were to undertake. Then it would go on to say, should you fail, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of you, and oh, that was always depressing you know, to, to hear that, and, and then this recording will self-destruct in however many seconds it was, and then it would kind of go up in smoke. Um, my family and I would, family, we, we would uh, sit there and, and, and watch as they used all sorts of, of technological gadgetry and, and their wits to always stop the bad guys. Um, just always a lot of fun. Then they would, they would save the world. Amazingly, they, they never turned down a mission. Did you notice that? They never turned down a mission. They were always highly successful with that mission. They never failed. Boy, you talk about a team of dedicated folks. Uh, they, were, they were daring. They were brave. They were capable. And you say, now, Rick, before you get too excited, it was just a TV show. They knew what to do because they read the script. Well, I know that. I know that. But this morning, I want to remind you that you and I are on a mission. Except instead of it being mission impossible, we're on a mission possible. And it's possible because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that directs our lives. And we've not read the script, but we've read the scripture. And what it tells us concerning the last days, what's coming, and what our mission is. You have a mission, and that is mission possible. And this morning we're going to take a look at that. Eternity, real lives, hang in the balance. Eternity is in question. And the question is, will you accept this mission? Will you accept it? Or do you ignore it? That's an important question. You've been given a mission. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I still can't talk yet, folks. Unfortunately, most believers say no. Now, they don't say no if you were to say, hey, God's got a program and a mission for you. Are you willing to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But their real response is a response of apathy. There's a response of indifference. Yeah, yeah, God has a purpose and a plan and a mission. And as long as his mission is for us to come to church and, and worship and sing praises, hey, we can get that done. But there's a program, there's a mission, there's a purpose outside of these walls that God has called us to faithfully serve him. 
I dare say that most believers today, not, not you here at this church, because we've, we've hammered this truth on and on and on again, but most believers don't understand, don't even know what their mission is. I'm here to tell you that unfortunately Christianity has become a spectator event, not a life event. For so many people, Christianity is what we do, not who we are. See, it needs to be when Christ, who is our life, comes, instead of our relationship with Him being based on what we do, not based on what He has done, where He's taken complete and total control of our being, of our lives, of of our purpose, and all that He has called us to do. See, it's always bothered me that people talk about finding God's will for their lives. I mean, I'm glad that people talk about, I want to know what God's will is for my life, But it bothers me from the standpoint that God's plan for your life, His purpose for your life, His will for your life is right here in the Scriptures. God wants you to know what His will is for your life, and He has put it here in His book for each and every one of us. People say, well, I wonder what God wants me to do. It is obvious from His Word what God wants you to do. The fact is, God leaves no doubt about His calling, His purpose, and His mission for your life. I'm convinced that if those who say, I am praying for God to show me what He wants, would simply focus on what God's Word says concerning that mission, and and He spells it out so clearly that your life would be a blessing to others, to this church. It would be a blessing to those who, with whom you come in contact. Lord, show me what your will is for my life, and then you focus into what God's Word says. Because it is in God's Word that He spells it out so quick, uh, clearly. And then when we study God's Word, then those small details, those minute details like, how and where and when and what will just come alive. You say, I just want to know how God's will is going to be done in my life. Let me tell you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how it's going to be done. You'll say, well, well, where? Where is God going to lead me? Quit thinking about where is God going to lead me and serve Him right where you are. We get so wrapped up sometime in thinking, I wonder where God wants me. God wants you serving right where you are this very moment. It's not a matter of Him leading you off someplace, but you serving Him right where you are. Regardless of your job, regardless of the church you're a part of, and I hope you're part of this one, but regardless of what what where you are, that's where God wants you serving. When? When does God want you serving Him? You already know the answer to that one, right? Now. God wants you serving right now. What? What does God want me to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. 
Because that's what we're going to look at this morning as we talk about what God's will and purpose is for your life. This morning we're going to define three aspects of our mission possible. And I hope this morning that you're going to see your purpose, your calling, and you're able to carry out these three directives that God gives us in His Word. We focus, we concentrate on these three absolute uh, positive factors. All those other things are just going to fall in place. I guarantee it. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, is found throughout the Pauline epistles. Throughout the Pauline epistles, you want to know what God's purpose is for the church, the body of Christ, which you're part of, then you go to those Pauline epistles and he spells it out so clearly as we search what he, what he calls my gospel and the sharing of that truth, that special revelation that was given, given to Paul. It is absolutely imperative in this present dispensation of the grace of God that we go to the Pauline epistles to find out what the risen Savior's plan and purpose is for our life. It is there that we receive our marching orders, and this is sort of in keeping with what we looked at last, last week, where we receive our marching orders from the one who received them from our risen Savior, from our top commander himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last week we talked about the fact that Paul says to be ye followers of me, imitators of me, as I am of Christ Jesus. Over and over and over he refers to uh, what he was sharing as my gospel. And there's a reason for that. Not because he was egotistical, but because that was part of the special revelation that God had given him. The gospel that had been given to him by the risen Savior was totally different, totally different than from what the twelve were sharing concerning the kingdom of heaven that was at hand. It's a totally different good news that we are to share in this present dispensation. This apostle to the Gentiles received a direct communication, direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ as to what we are to share in our daily lives, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, as we open our mouths and we share that truth. There's a summary of what our mission is, folks, what our goal is for the Lord. There, there's a one scripture summary. Turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, well, actually, two verses, 1 and 2. Here's what God has called each and every one of us to be. Verse 1, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The word steward there is oikonomos. It means a house manager. It implies someone that is entrusted with precious resources 
or the precious resources of the master. This steward, he was in charge of the care and keeping of all that the master owned, and his job was to dispense it to the house servants and to those who worked for the master. He was the steward. He was the oconomos. He was the one that was responsible. To kind of give you an idea, look at Luke chapter 12, where it's used. That word is used in Luke chapter 12. Uh, verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise oikonomos, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion and meat in due season? See, oikonomos, the steward. Look at Luke 16. Again, kind of give you an idea of the steward's role and how that word is used scripturally. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. And he, and he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a oikonomos, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of that oikonomia, for thou mayest be no longer oikonomos, steward. Kind of gives you an idea of what a steward's role was. Paul is using that same word to give us an idea of what our calling, what our mission is as to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. It is required, it, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God's plan, God's purpose for our lives are to be managers of that special revelation, that wonderful, glorious truth of Christ in you, the hope of glory, Gentiles, that you were once alienated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, without hope in this world, and through the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus on Calvary's cross, as Gentiles, by grace we can be saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the message that God has called us to share. That's God's purpose for us, the church. 1 Corinthians 9, 17. Part of our message, part of our mission possible. 1 Corinthians, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. The word dispensation there is stewardship or economia. A dispensation is committed to me. And what Paul goes on to do is he commits that stewardship, that dispensation to Timothy... He tells Timothy to guard that special revelation. He tells us to guard that special revelation. At the heart of the mission that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is the stewardship of this mystery of God 
special revelation, unique message concerning the body of Christ and the unsearchable, untraceable, untrackable riches of Christ. That's part of that special revelation that was given to Saul of Tarsus, the chief of sinners. When God's Word calls these unsearchable riches of Christ, what Paul is saying there is you're not going to find those in the Old Testament. They were hid in God. The, the, this church, this present dispensation, this church age was not hid in the Old Testament. You have to kind of go through there and find out, oh, that's what it was talking about. It was not hid in the Old Testament. It was hid in God, not revealed until it's revealed to the Apostle Paul concerning what God's intent was before the foundation of the world to reconnect fallen man to himself. God has given stewardship, responsibility of that message to each and every one of us. Oh, I wish I knew what God's will was for my life. Let's start with that. Accepting that fact, oh man, I am a steward of God. I am one of His that has been given that message of God's redeeming grace. I am His steward. That unsearchable, untraceable, glorious message that salvation was going to come to Gentiles and Jews by God's grace. Not according to any covenant relationship with a nation, the nation of Israel, but what God intended all along was for salvation to come through Christ Jesus. So the aspect of your mission, your mission possible, is to realize that you have been entrusted with something precious, something that needs guarding. See, if I were to give you a jewel, if I were to have a precious jewel here, and I would say, boy, this jewel is so precious. It has healing qualities. It has, it, it, it has there's things that that, that makes this jewel so valuable, and I'm going to give it to you, and I want you to guard it. I want you to keep it safe, but at the same time, you got to share it. Boy, it, it just will make a difference in a person's life. Boy, you'd be willing to take on that mission, and you would be serious about that. Now, while this jewel part and me saying here's what you need to do might sound like a fantasy, let me tell you what is not a fantasy. There is something far greater, something far truer that has been entrusted to us and that is the message of grace and there, there is no fantasy at all. This mission of being a steward, it's a heavy mission and we have that responsibility. Body of Christ, I am convinced that what is the most neglected, most misunderstood message that comes from the church today is understanding this mystery, understanding this special revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul. I dare say that most churches today don't fully understand it. They're, they have no idea what the mystery is. They have no idea of what God's plan and purpose is for them. They're following the wrong mission. They're following the wrong uh, commission and they stumble all over themselves and they do things and 
that, that they shouldn't be doing and people on the way in today. And it's kind of what kind of gets me fired up and it just, well, actually what it does is it grieves me. On the way into church, we, we passed a church. I'm not even going to talk uh, uh, about uh, which church it was. But there was a big sign out in front of the church as we were passing by. And the church, and this big sign says, Baptism now saves. And that grieves me. How many people are going by that and thinking, Baptism now saves. Come and get baptized for the remission of your sins and you'll be right with God. No, you won't. No, you won't be right with God. If you're counting on that baptism, if you're counting on walking down that aisle, if you're counting on on talking to the preacher and shaking his hand, it's not going to happen. But we have been given a message that most churches ignore, neglect, or don't understand concerning the gospel of the grace of God and what a person must do in order to be saved is believe that what God himself did on their behalf is what saved them, not what they can do. I know folks, you say, preacher, you talk about this every Sunday. I do. There's a reason I talk about it every Sunday. It is because it is so critical in our relationship with God. It just burdens me, it grieves me, that so many churches tell their people, here's what you need to do in order to make God satisfied with you so that you can go to heaven. You need to do this, this, and this, and this, and that will satisfy God's righteous requirements. I got news for you. Not even the man was, man was not even able to keep the law, which would have satisfied God's righteous requirements. It's the reason the law was given for the knowledge of sin, so we would understand, boy, we are sinners. But even trying to keep the law and doing that and doing the things that are the works of righteousness even, couldn't save you. See, that's the whole point. That we read that, we see that, and we come to the realization that We don't need good works. We need a great Savior. That's what we need. We can't do it on our own. And that is the heart of the message that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to Paul himself. You can't do it. That's bad news. The good news is, Christ says, I have. I did do it as he shed his precious blood for you. So your mission, unless you choose to ignore it, is to guard that precious deposit that has been committed to your trust. That precious deposit. Look at 1 Timothy 6.20. 1 Timothy 6.20. Oh, Timothy, keep or guard that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. And folks, I got news for you. That's most of what goes on today. It's vain babblings and arguing over things that are not even scriptural, which some 
professing have erred concerning the faith, grace be with you. Amen. Guard that precious. Keep that precious deposit. Look at 2 Timothy. Oh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Was committed to my trust. And then Paul's going to tell Timothy to guard that that's been committed to his trust. Now turn to 2 Timothy. Verse, chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Spirit which dwells in us. Guard that precious deposit, that glorious gospel of the grace of God. That truth that Christ is in you, Gentile. Understand that in the Old Testament, there was never any talk about there's going to be a body of Christ. There's going to be a body, and this body is going to be made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. No, in the Old Testament, the prophets talked about the blessings that were coming to Israel, the glorious truth that was going to come to the nation of Israel, and how Israel was going to be a light unto the Gentiles. And all of these truths came out of the Old Testament, but there was nothing in there about a joint body made up of believing Jews and Gentiles where they were going to be sealed into the day of redemption, that they were going to be part of the body of Christ, with Him being the glorified head and we being the body. Israel's hope was for a Messiah to sit on a throne, judging the twelve tribes. That was their hope, ruling the twelve tribes. And all the blessings that are, that are uh, profoundly depicted in the Old Testament were to come to the nation of Israel. That was the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ came, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were looking for that kingdom that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Habakkuk and every one of the Old Testament prophets had talked about. And what were they to believe? That Christ is the Messiah. He's the one to set up that kingdom. But he came into his own and his own received him not. But there was something hid in God that what God was going to do knowing that Israel was going to reject knowing that, that mankind in order for him to be saved God was going to have to do something so gracious so marvelous so wonderful and that is to offer salvation and save men based on the merits of Christ on Calvary's cross and he did exactly that and your mission unless you choose to ignore it, is to guard that precious deposit, is to preach that blessed truth. As stewards, we have been entrusted with that sacred message.
that truth concerning the mystery. That one new man, a joint body. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Or chapter 2, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 2. I get so excited over this truth. It just is what a, what a blessing it is to know that God loves me, that he looked beyond my faults and he saw my need and he understood exactly what I needed to be saved and that was him. And now, not only has he saved us, but he's given us part of this message to share. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Well, let's start with verse 12. Look, verse 11, Tim. Sorry. That's just all so good. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's pretty devastating truth. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who has made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in Himself of two one new man so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. Gentiles, Jews, here's what God has done on your behalf through the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus on Calvary's cross. We are stewards of that truth. That people can have Christ in them, the hope of glory. That Israel was included in unbelief in order that God might have mercy on all. That truth hidden in God from before the foundation of the world. And you know what? Look, just Ephesians 3. You're almost there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. Well, verse 8. Paul's talking here and he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable, the untraceable, the untrackable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. See, what is your calling? To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery? What is your purpose? Is to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. To share that truth. Doesn't say that all men are going to accept it. Doesn't say that all men are going to believe it. But our role is to make all men see. To shine a focus or to shine a light. To focus on that truth. That is part of our mission. 
See, unfortunately, in 2 Timothy 1.15, when Paul is writing to young Timothy, now this special revelation of the mystery was given to him, and he was preaching in those, all of those churches, warning people of the Judaizers, warning those that were, uh, the, the, those church in Galatia and Colossae and Philippi and uh, Ephesus, all of those churches, beware of those that are coming up from Judea and are telling you that you have to obey Moses' law that you have to be circumcised. And Paul is warning them, no, 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 no. And boy, they were preaching that kingdom gospel. And he writes something to Timothy that I think is heartbreaking. Paul says to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1.15, all those of Asia have forsaken me. He didn't say all those from Asia have forsaken the Lord. But I think even by then they were already starting to kick against that message of grace. Man does not want to be saved by God's grace, period. Man wants something to do in order to make himself feel more righteous, to feel more acceptable to God, and we have news for him, for them. You can't do anything. But the better news is you don't have to do anything but believe in the all-sufficiency, completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, you say that all the time. And I will the day until the day I take my final breath. And then my hope and prayer is that I'm going to go around in heaven and I'm going to grab those angels and say, you, you know that message, don't you? You know why I'm here? It has nothing to do with what I've done. And they're probably going to go, oh, wish he hadn't showed up. Yes, we know. We know. Because it's the greatest message, the greatest news that the world has ever heard. Legalism says, do this and satisfy God. Our message is the work of Christ has done that. And that's at the heart of our mission. Where do you share that? Wherever you are. When do you share that? Every moment of the day when you get an opportunity. Your mission, unless you choose to ignore it, is found in 2 Timothy 2 2 also. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And this is actually the reason we started the seminary, folks. 2 Timothy 2, we'll start with verse 1. 2 Timothy 1, and especially verse 2, is the reason that seminary exists. There, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Well, we just talked about all those things that they'd heard about the Apostle Paul and what he was teaching and the distinction of his gospel 
and how clear it was concerning God's amazing grace. That's your, you're a steward of that. The things that we find in the Pauline epistles, those things we share with faithful men who shall be able to teach other faithful men. We share with women who are able to share those truths with faithful women. We defend the scripture of what God's message of grace is all about. Preparing men and women for a ministry to share the infallible word of God and to, to defend the faith. And I know you're saying, well, here he goes again on another thing he's talked about all the time. Your mission, your mission, and you must accept it. You must accept it. Lives, eternity, hang in the balance for so many people. Folks, this is your mission, and you must accept it. This is your commission. This is a greater commission. And it falls on each one of us to carry it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just told you. I just told you what God wants you to do. He wants you to be a minister of the word of reconciliation. The truth that you can be reconciled to God by the finished work of Christ his all-sufficiency in His death, burial, and resurrection, you can, you can share that message with a world that so desperately needs to hear it. I just don't know what God's will is for my life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if He wants me to go to the Congo. I, if you're in the Congo, i tell you what He wants you to do there. I just don't know if God wants me to go to the mission field of Haiti. If you're in Haiti, this is what God wants you to do. I just don't know what God wants me to do in St. Louis. I can tell you what He wants you to do in St. Louis. He wants you to be a minister of the word of reconciliation. With everyone with whom you come in contact with, your family, your friends, to share the truth of God's word. To share the gospel of grace with them. You know what? I know it's not easy. There are many times I fall under conviction, ooh, and I hate this. I hate this when I'm talking to someone either at a, uh, at a grocery store or at the service station or someplace and I have a chance and there's just nobody else around and there's somebody there. Anybody ever had that where the Holy Spirit said, Say something to him. And I don't. So I'm not, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that happens to. But I'll come under such conviction that say something to this guy. And that I won't do it. I'll chicken out. Oh, he's going to think that I'm a weird religious nut. But as I shared before, I remember when I was lost 
and so desperately wanting to know what I needed to be saved, had somebody driving down the road had let their window down and said, Hey, you want to be saved? I'd have pulled over and said, What? What do I need to do? I was under such conviction. And I walk away from these people sometimes thinking, Lord, what if they were under that conviction? What if they were wondering about that right at that moment and I didn't share with them what they needed to do to be saved and they were so ready to say yes to the Lord? They might be ready to punch your lights out. I don't know. More than likely, they're going to be nice and they're going to do one of three things. They're either going to believe. They're either going to believe. Ooh, and that, that's great. Or they're going to put you off and say, you know what, that sounds interesting. Why don't you, let's talk about this some other time. Or they're going to reject. Either going to believe. They're either going to put you off or they're going to reject. More than likely, they're not going to shoot you. They're not going to stab you. They're not going to do anything detrimental to you. Matter of fact, throughout the scripture, we, we find case after case where the people either believed, they rejected, or they just put them off and said, we'll hear, we'll hear this matter later. But what God has called us is to share that gospel of the grace of God and leave the increase to him. Watering or planting, pray someone has planted that seed. Pray that somebody has watered that seed, and when you pour just a little bit more water on it, <laughs> people are going to go, wow, yes. Yes, I want to know what I need to do to be saved. I was just thinking about that. I was so scared that I'm going to die and go to hell. I was just thinking that what if I'm killed in a car wreck before I get home? Can you really tell me what I need to be, do to be saved? Now, I can't guarantee you that that's going to happen every time. But it might happen. But regardless, we're still ministers of the word of reconciliation. So you pray for me that I'll have the courage to understand what I'm a steward of and the courage to speak out. But before you get too hard down on yourself and on me, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul, had, Paul himself had problems with the same thing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You're in good company if you hesitate to share the truth. But there's still no excuse not to. So we need to be praying for one another. Pray, Lord, may that preacher have the boldness and the courage to share the truth of the gospel.
I'll never forget. You know, and after you've been someplace almost 22 years, you forgot what you've shared and what you haven't shared. So, but the good thing is you have enough new people that even when you share it, they go, well, I've never heard that before. I remember a time that I had to have my wisdom teeth cut out. And I went to the oral surgeon, and they had me in that chair, and they gave me, they, they were going to, because I, I think I had either two or three that were going to have to come out. And so I'm such a baby when it comes to pain, ask Faye, that they, they, they put me out. And they gave me that stuff, and as I was starting to, to go under, and it was, things were getting kind of woozy and really feeling kind of good, and uh, where I wasn't worried about what they were getting ready to do, the, the, the dental lady, the nurse who was there, uh, uh, and it, she was sort of administering and kind of helping me relax, and she said, oh, you're a pastor. Uh, 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 uh. And she said, you know, I've often wondered, what do I need to do to be saved? And I remember telling her something about Adam and a fall, and then Noah and an and a ark and Moses. and a, blah, blah, blah. I have no idea. And I never got a chance to go back to her and say, remember that question you asked me? Can we finish that conversation? But what it does is it proves the point. It, it, you just never know. You just never know. You know, I've often wondered, what, what do I need to do to be saved? It tells me that under the influence, you really can't witness to somebody. but we're still called to be that witness. Your mission that's so very possible is to be brave stewards of the gospel of the grace of God, of that, those mysteries of God, that He in His love and His affection and His mercy has revealed to us in His Word that amazing grace that saves a wretch like me. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and how thankful we are for your word that tells us exactly what your plan, your purpose, your mission is for our lives. Father, may we faithfully study your word, discover these amazing truths. Father, may we not neglect your word. May we all understand that you are our life. That Christianity is not something we do, but it's who we are. That we are the redeemed of the Lord. That we have a special calling on our lives. That we're members of the body of Christ. And this world is in such dire need to hear this truth. And Father, may we be so bold that not only do we share what you have done for us. But so much more importantly, Father, may we share with the world what you've done for them. And we trust you for that increase. We trust the Holy Spirit to use the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
It's not our ways. It's not our means. It's not our talent. It's not our gifts. It is the power of God that reaches in and stirs the heart of that individual. Father, may we understand that. May we accept that truth. May we know that the person is not rejecting us. That's meaningless. But they're rejecting you. And that's eternal. May we understand the seriousness of that. And we pray these things in that holy, precious, loving name of Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Amen.